ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Thursday, November 12th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lake phone line, 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up later on the program, we're going to hear from Rob Johnson, WSAZ. Now, WSAZ will have their... Special coming up tonight about the 50th anniversary of the Marshall Plain tragedy. Uh, Rob's coming on the program in connection with that, but more direct. I want to hear the story about his family's involvement during the tragedy and after the tragedy. And for those of you who don't know Rob Johnson that well, his family, at least to Uh, People who are in broadcasting, who have been at Marshall for many years, um, his family, very significant in the education and just broadcasting in general in the state of West Virginia. Dottie, of course, uh, I remember her well from the days I was working at the speech department at Marshall University, and I would just go and listen to her stories, and she always had something interesting to say. Boz, of course, you know, worked at WSAZ for the longest time, set the standard. I mean, he is a standard, really. Uh, you think about the standards that journalists and, and broadcasters and, and newscasters follow. I mean, you, you see some of the big names, and on a local level— and still a giant footprint uh, were Boz and Dottie Johnson. So Rob has followed in their footsteps. And Rob is going to tell us uh, a little bit about the, some of the things that happened uh, during and after the, uh, the plane crash on November 14, 1970. So uh, interesting story. I haven't heard it fully. I'm excited to hear it. And um, we're going to here in a few minutes. So uh, looking forward to talking to Rob. Haven't talked to him in a while, so I- I'm excited about that. Also, we've got a lot to get into. Uh, we're going to get into it in detail later so we can have more time to, to dive into it. But on the surface, Marshall Basketball has come up with a lottery for tickets. Now, I'm not going to break it all down right now. I want to give it more time. So I just want to, on the surface, tell you 15% is what – the Henderson Center will be operating at at this time. Now, there could be reductions in that. Health department could come in and say, look, nope, 15 is too many. Need to drop that down, maybe 10%. You don't know. Health department could come in and say, look, right now, nobody. You can have your game, but you're not going to be able to have it with people in the crowd. So right now, 15%. And there's going to be a lottery. And... Not going to be season tickets this year. Now, if you are a season ticket holder from last year, your big green member, you're going to have an opportunity to be in the lottery. So if you're in the lottery, you have an opportunity to go to a game. How many games you get to go to, that's anyone's guess. You could go to, you could be the luckiest herd fan out there and go to all of them. Or you could be not the luckiest herd fan out there, maybe get to go to one or two. It's going to be a lottery, and it's going to be weighted to a degree. So we'll break it down later. But the only way to really determine who gets to come in is a lottery system, I would think, because you got more than 
you got more people buying season tickets than you have spots. And this is Marshall's breakdown of how they're going to do this. Doing a lottery, 15%. And there won't be a season ticket sold. So it's going to be game-by-game basis. And I think that's also fair because we just don't know. Honestly, at this time, we don't know. Will there be a non-conference schedule? As of right now, yes. As of this very moment, on this very day, there will be a non-conference schedule as it is on paper. Will that change? Most definitely. Or maybe Marshall can get through it all. I don't know, but I'm leaning towards it's going to change. So here's a lottery system that's going to be fair because, let's be honest, you can't buy season tickets for such a fluid schedule. It's very hard. Football's been very fortunate at this point. Football's getting its games back. Marshall, Mike Hamrick, been able to add to the home schedule, be fluid, and putting games at the stadium. So you don't feel like, okay, I only went to a couple of games. I paid this. I went to a couple of games. No, you've got, basically, you've got a schedule in which the herd hasn't traveled much. That's that's some work right there. Hats off. Marshall has not had to travel much. Marshall's got one more game on the road. Possibly, two if Marshall plays in a championship game and, for some reasons, not the host. And that means Marshall maybe have lost somewhere, still won the East Division, but lost somewhere. And, unfortunately, they lost a tiebreaker with the West Division champ. I don't see it happening. If Marshall's going to the championship game, Marshall's going to be playing host in that championship game. So Hurt won't be traveling much. One more game at FIU, the bowl game, when and wherever that will be played. And that's it. That's your Hurt football travel. So Marshall's been pretty fortunate on the football side of things. So we'll break this down a little bit more, give you a better understanding how you will be able to get basketball tickets. Also, uh, we've got word that the fountain ceremony is going to feature um, a pretty special speaker. And I know the challenge every year is to bring somebody to speak that will have something to contribute, some insight, some story to tell that either hasn't been told or needs to be told, and or maybe you need to hear it again. And so this year, the speaker is going to be a real direct connection to the Marshall Athletic Program. Lucianne Cotts Call is going to be the speaker, and her father was uh, Charlie uh, Cotts, the director of athletics. He was in the crash. She was 21 years old, and um, she lost her father, so she is going to be connected with this program for a long time, and so she's going to speak. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to try to get her on the show. I, I've tried to work my schedule and her schedule so we could get her this week. I don't think it's going to happen. So we're going to try it next week, if not this weekend. And then the women's schedule is out. I'm going to try to get Tony Kemper on the show tomorrow. We tried today, but I'm sure Tony's in practice right now. So yeah, as of airtime, uh, he has not seen my text just yet. And I know well that if Tony sees my text, he will respond. He's that kind of guy. So 
you know, I don't know where he's at right now, but we're going to try to get Tony Kemper on to talk about the, the women's non-conference schedule, get his thoughts on how everything's going right now. So that's what we've got laid out for you on this show. We'll start with Rob Johnson when we continue. Then we'll break down the lottery for tickets. We'll talk about what the ceremony is going to look like. And we'll get your phone calls in as well. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. i got to bring my A game now because uh, I've got one of the best in the business on the phone I'm not talking about Tim Ear. I'm talking better than Tim Ear. I'm talking Rob Johnson, WSAZ. Uh-oh. No, no, not 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 Ear. No, no. Rob Johnson. Better. You're you're going you're going to challenge me now. <laughs> hey, I've got to be on my best behavior here. I um you know, because when I when I talk to you, I know one, you come from royalty. You come from your family's royalty to me, so I have to be on my best behavior. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And, but, and a lot of people have been so good to my parents and to me because of my parents. No, no, you got it all on your own. We just love your parents. It's a bonus. So, no, no, it all <laughs> yeah, you you got it all on your own. Uh, but yes, well, I do love your parents. I love Dottie especially uh, since I spent so many years with her over at the speech department at Marshall, and uh, she would tell the best stories and. Uh, you know, I, I just knew that um, you know she she was having fun in life, and so uh, you've been carrying on the tradition of being a great broadcaster as well. And of course, I haven't built you up enough. I'm going to keep doing it for a few more minutes, Rob, just because. <laughs> hey, go right ahead, sure. I haven't talked to you in a while, so I got to get it all out. But um, you know, we were we're trying to figure out what we could talk about different about the tragedy. We've heard so many of the stories, but yet we still find more. And when I was talking to our mutual friend Bill Cornwell today, he, he, he turned me on to something that maybe I had heard before and filed away or didn't remember that, of course, when the tragedy happened, you know, we always you know, fall back on the newspaper guys always being there. But you know, WSAZ was leading the way as well uh, with so much coverage uh, and being everywhere. I mean, your cameras, uh, WSAZ's cameras were all over that. And, of course, uh, Boz, your father, was uh, a big part of that. And, of course, you know, your family has uh, some, some deep connections to this uh, entire sequence of events during the, the tragedy of the cl- crash and afterwards. Oh, and, I mean, so many connections. It, it's, it's touching. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it makes you cry at times. It makes you honored at times. I mean, we live in what we all call a too small of a town. Everybody knows everybody. And, you know, yes, I report on people and have to keep a distance because I report on them. But yet we all know each other. And this was no different. This was a tough story to tell because it was all of my dad's friends involved in it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, you, you You knew everybody. This wasn't a tragedy and you were disconnected from it and you think this is very terrible, but you didn't know anybody. I mean, that's a good point. You know, Marshall, of course your father knew everyone there. You know, he was involved with them, I'm sure. Well, and these are all, I mean, Chamber of Commerce kind of leaders on there who were the boosters, who were the people that my father would have been interviewing on a routine basis because they were all leaders of the community. Well, 
Who do we interview on a routine basis even today on WSAZ? Community leaders. Those are the people who were always out in front of all of the charitable events, all of the major events going on in your community. All of the, I mean, even if it came to a Christmas parade, the people who died on that crash were the people who were helping to put together the Christmas parade. He was interviewing them on a routine basis. And then to go out there and be one of the first reporters in the midst of a horrible scene was just awful. And I mean, and because they knew who my father was, I mean, even the emergency workers are like, could you help us identify some of these people? And he's like, oh my gosh, no, that's awful. I, I, I don't want to be a part of that. I can't even think of that. And yet that's what was being asked of everybody. Rob Johnson is joining us. WSAC is, of course, his family, um, well known to uh, many of us uh, in the news community, broadcasting community, Boz and Dottie Johnson. And that's a great point there. I think sometimes, and it's not on purpose, but I think sometimes when we think of the crash, we think of the football team and the players and the coaches. We think of that, but there were so many other people as well. And it's not deliberate that sometimes we forget about that, but we just equate the 75, we think of the football team, and that's where the, the tragedy is, but the tragedy also lies with so many other people who were fans of the football program. Oh, The, oh, the brain trust of this fans. community, yeah. Yeah, the people who were on that plane weren't just fans. They were the, the, the super fans. They were the people who were giving their time, their families, their, their money, to make Marshall what it was at that time, which, and we remember back then, Marshall was struggling at the time. Those were the people who were trying to make Marshall something at that time. And, you know, here my family is sitting in our den, and we had a little tiny den over on the south side of Huntington, and we're watching TV just like probably every other family in the region long after the football game ended, of course, so we knew what had happened, and, you know, we knew it had been a loss and it sucked. But, you know, you go on from that, you're watching TV, and, and then to hear, here's my dad's station putting out that breaking news alert, and dad just got up and left. But, you know, one of the weird things in my family was, and I only learned this later, I was too small of a child to grasp it all. A girl showed up who was a friend of one of my sisters, who was one of the orphans, who then spent the night with us. That's how close. Rob Johnson's with us, and... There were a lot more incidents like that. Well, not incidents, but stories like that. Uh, people showing up and your family, because well-known, all of a sudden you, know, you may became surrogates for a lot of people. Oh, and, well, and um, there was a guy named Jerry Sander who happened to be the weekend shift. And life's different, of course. News crews are a little bigger these days than they used to be. But Jerry Sander was all by himself working in our station at the time. And... He was the one who turned out that alert that everybody, oh my gosh, found out about. He was the one. And Jerry had a very distinguished but short career at WSAZ. He had a much more distinguished career working in Lexington, Kentucky, which is where he retired from, working for WKYT television down there. But it was Jerry who was there all by himself. And here's Jerry on the phone talking to my father, talking to the other people who were on the staff going, I need help. We've got something serious going on here. And, and when it was first being alerted, all we knew was there was a plane crash. And people tend to forget because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We We know the whole story now. We didn't know what was going on at the time. We just knew, ooh, something serious is going on at Tri-State Airport. 
And then it was, oh, we think it's a plane crash. And it was that development of learning. And here was my father going, I'm going to have to come to work and I'll be there shortly. And then the whole crew showed up and all of them ended up going out to that hillside in Wayne County. And covering it was so weird because <laughs> you you think of today's news coverage. It is so different. No cell phones, no live trucks. You know, the technology is so archaic comparatively. Dad took a film camera out there. Well, think what that means. He he did shoot the story of the crash and talked with the emergency crews, but film takes processing and chemicals. Then you have to dry the film even before you could ever get it on the air. It was very, very, very long after it before anyone ever saw any film of the Marshall plane crash. As a matter of fact, I don't think it was until the next day before anyone actually saw what was happening. Most of this was just firsthand accounts and people walking into the station and you just saw the reporter's face on the air that night because the technology wasn't there to bring it to you live. I mean, now we have drones, we have live trucks, we could have done anything instantly. Cell phones could have been there. You'd have seen it on Facebook instantly. That just wasn't life back then. And so it even took us a couple days to figure out who was on the plane. Think how hard it is to cover an event when you don't even know who was there. That's how hard it was to be a reporter on a personal level. You knew them all, but also on a professional level, you want to get it right. And it was hard to get it right. I'm sure there was a lot of pressure as well, because for many, your father was the point of contact probably for the national networks as well as everyone was reaching out wanting more information. So I'm sure there had to be a lot of hard work and stress going on there, or at least um, a lot of people demanding of his time and energy to get the information to them as well. Uh, oh, of course. And, and you know, uh, let me preface this by saying, here I am talking to you and I always hesitate to talk about my personal experiences with this crash because, yes, my family was touched by this. We helped people because of this. We knew so many of the families involved in this. But here I am working with a man, my sports director now, Keith Morehouse, who lived it personally. And his whole life is wrapped up in this. And so, you know, I almost I hesitate to talk about it because so many people have so much more of a personal attachment to what happened here. And so I always preface anything I say with, you know, I'm not trying to speak for them because it tore their lives apart. It changed everything about their lives. And all it was for me at that moment as a young child was my dad went out weirdly on a Saturday night and disappeared for a long time and covered what turned out to be one of the worst stories of his life. But it it certainly doesn't compare to say what a Keith Morehouse or Keith's wife who also lost both of her parents in this, went through. I mean, I can't imagine every year when the 14th of November comes up how tough this is in their family to have to hear this, to go through it. I mean, I know they treat this as a tribute to their parents. And what they, their parents were able to create for Marshall, for Huntington, is amazing. But think how hard it is for them. And for Keith, the turnout, what we now know is the special coming up tonight, is very, very impressive for Keith because it's being a reporter, it's telling a serious story, but you also have to keep in mind, it's his own family. That's hard. That's a good point to bring up. You've got the special coming up tonight, and a lot of people are are anticipating it to see it. 
and the guy who's behind it, along with the, so many others, you know, I'm sure it's a labor of love, but it had to be hard. I can't even fathom oh. putting that together, oh. being so close to the actual story. And Keith has spoken at that memorial ceremony before. I don't know how he does it. I'm not sure I could do that. He is so tough about that mentally to be able to speak and, and keep his thoughts together. I, I don't know how he does it. You know, he has had so many experiences like that. I'm also amazed because Keith teaches me almost every single year something I've never heard. And, you know, I've been hearing these stories for 50 years in my life. It's amazing to hear something you never heard before after you heard the story for 50 years. How much has this touched people? For instance, I mean, Keith's going to get into this in the special. How much this has still touched people at East Carolina? You forget about East Carolina having a really emotional connection. They felt this like we did. It's also fascinating, for instance, Ted Shoebridge, and I don't know how much your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Ted Shoebridge was the quarterback for that team who passed away. And Ted, even to this day, has a huge plaque with a picture of him in a Marshall uniform up on his high school field. <laughs> Kids who never even heard of Marshall University go to their school every day in Ted Shoebridge's hometown and see him with a Marshall jersey on. And they learn about it. And, I mean, that's the kind of stories that are so touching. Yeah, the connection there, Lynnhurst, because you also have Marcelo Latterman. You know, he, yes, yeah, exactly. You have that Lynnhurst yeah. connection there, and the family, you know, still uh, very active. Of course, COVID has uh, has kind of restricted that these days. But yeah, you know, the yeah, uh, the family still, you know, make it a point to be a part of that. Um, and I'm sure you've met the uh, uh, the Latterman family when they first came here. This it was uh, it was eye opening for them. Yeah, I mean, they didn't understand what Huntington was going through. They had personal tragedy. And then to see everybody else was with them was amazing. And you know what else? I mean, even from that, going past it was amazing. Because, I mean, we know the movie. Everybody now knows the movie. But the people who lived through it know Jack Lingle. And we're going to interview Jack Lingle tonight on this special. And what a fun, special guy he is. To be able to, holy smokes, put his whole career on hold, to come to handle a challenge like Marshall was fascinating. But again, it's the I live in too small of a town atmosphere. His son Pete was my age. And so here they moved to town and Pete Lingle ends up going to, I went to Kamak Elementary School at the time on the south side of Huntington. And here was Pete Lingle who ended up in my class of all things. His sister Julie ended up in one of my sister's classes. She was about, what, two, three, four years older than me. And I mean, so we knew Pete and Julie Lingle as much as we knew, oh, hey, your dad's the coach at Marshall. It was that kind of a personal thing. And by the way, no surprise, Pete Langle, who I know no one in Huntington really even remembers or knows, I know Pete very well because, oh, wow, even as a young kid, he was a good football player. I don't think anybody would be surprised to hear a football coach's kid is a good football player. And he was. He was a good athlete. He was impressive on the field. He was one of the leaders, even though he was one of the new kids in town. So, yes, I mean, my family was so connected to this story on so many levels. I remember going with my father and my mother to Fairfield Stadium, the old rinky-dink, nasty stadium, sitting there day after day after that crash, watching humiliating losses that the herd would take. 
because they were not a good team back then. They had not had seasoned players. And, I mean, we all know the decade of the 70s, Marshall was the losingest team in football. But, boy, how we have come from that. To be able to see the new stadium now is unbelievable compared to where we were back in that old rinky-dink Fairfield Stadium. Yeah, I remember those days well because um, I was born after. I was born in 71 before uh, Marshall took the field, so I was born in August. So th- this is all I've known. I- I've only known it from that point on. And we're getting to that point now, Rob, where, and I hate to say this, but we're 50 years from that event. Um, what do you think the next 50 years will be? Because the, the – the goal is to always remember this, but unfortunately, we're losing a lot of people now who, you know, can well, tell us firsthand of, of what happened and to make the story personal. I mean, you can hear about the story, read the story, but this is Huntington, and of course, you meet the people, the story becomes more personal. Well, and, and Keith Morehouse and I are virtually the same age. We're not the exact same age in school age, but we're virtually the same age. Both of us are, you know, I hate to say this, staring down retirement now. And when people like that start to retire, you really, I mean, we're already the second generation from what happened on that plane, and you're going to start losing that connection. And, you know, so many of the other people who have been telling us the story through all the years, uh, one of my most favorite people is Reggie Oliver. And Reggie Oliver ended up graduating from Marshall University and, of all things, became a student teacher at Huntington High School, which is where I ended up attending and became, and hopefully you would be thinking this is a no-brainer, became the assistant football coach and actually the assistant baseball coach at Huntington High School because he was such a phenomenal athlete. And so here's Reggie Oliver, uh, a guy I had looked up to as a man. And, you know, when you've just gone into high school and you're a 10th grader, a guy who's already graduated from college is so much older and such a hero to me, and yet he really wasn't that much older than me, but here he was teaching me football at Huntington High. Here he was teaching me baseball at Huntington High. I cherished Reggie Oliver, and then later, when we both became adult people, and he was no longer just that adult coach Oliver to me, he ended up being such a great guy to me. He would talk about stories of games we'd played, and I was like, how do you remember all of that? It was important in my life. I can't believe you remember it all. And he remembered everything about his time coaching at Huntington High, being back in Huntington. This is a man who wasn't from Huntington. Huntington didn't mean anything to him. But then, boy, did it ever become something of a meaning to him. And Reggie Oliver had a great story to tell, becoming the new quarterback of the young thundering earth. And now Reggie's passed away. And those are the kind of people who were always here, always fun-loving and open and willing to speak to people about what the Marshall plane crash meant, who have now passed away. And we're, we're losing too many people like that. And so I do fear, and, and years ago, there were even serious discussions on Marshall's campus, maybe we should stop having the memorial ceremony. And there was an uproar about, not on your life, are we stopping that? Well, once I'm retired, once Keith is retired, once all of the Reggie Oliver kind of players are gone from us, I don't know how much more that's going to continue, and it will be hard to carry on that story. And, you know, in that respect, thankfully Matthew McConaughey told the story, and it will stay on film, and we'll see the movie to tell future generations. 
Yeah, and we'll have a special like Keith's coming up tonight, and we'll have lots of written word, and yeah, Deb yeah. Novak as well, and her fantastic uh, piece she did years ago. I hope people appreciate what Keith's been going through. This started, holy smokes, this basically started when the pandemic began, and think what you've gone through in the pandemic. Keith has been doing this special, working on it, getting interviews, traveling. I mean, he's traveled all over the East Coast to get this special put together, and it, it actually and I'll tell an inside piece to it, it was supposed to run from seven to eight. And and we knew that would upset some of our viewers because of Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy being displaced. And we know that always upsets some people. But we thought an hour is worth it to commemorate the 50th anniversary. And Keith ended up working so hard on this. We had so much unbelievable touching material. It ended up being 90 minutes. And therefore, we're taking off the the... I hate to say this, the season premiere of Superstore tonight, which I know some of our viewers are also really in tune to on NBC, and we're going to air that at 2.07 tomorrow a.m., so you can set your DVR and not miss that. But Keith ended up with such an amazing amount of material on this that we ended up making it 90 minutes because it was that fun, touching, such a great remembrance. And so we let Keith stretch it an extra 30 minutes when we probably shouldn't have had to initially and yet had to once we saw the material. Rob Johnson joins us uh, telling us a little bit about uh, his family, Boz and Dottie Johnson uh, and their connection and his connection to the tragedy. The specials tonight, 7 o'clock, DVR it. Um, will there be a replay of it? For... And remember, your, your communication, whatever that is, whether it's Comcast or a dish or whatever, is going to tell you it ends at 8. Don't listen to it. It goes to late 30. Okay. I got to set the overrun then. Will there be a replay of this? Um, what? Uh, what's this? Uh, We are going to put it on the CW. I also want to say a lot of people might not be able to watch TV. It's also going to be on Facebook and our WSAZ app. If you're just around your phone, you can watch it on your phone. Well, I, we need to do this more. Um, yeah, because honestly, yeah, I'd rather have you than ear any day. I mean, that guy, you know, he, <laughs> I mean... Uh, he's just a talker. He doesn't know anything. Oh, oops, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for doing this. I really do. Appreciate Paul, thank it. you, sir. I love remembering this and, and reminding others of what this is about. I also was very, very thrilled to be able to talk about the work Keith has done for tonight. So I hope people enjoy it. 7 o'clock tonight, WSAZ, 90 minutes. Set your DVR, 90 minutes. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Paul, you. you. There you have it. Rob Johnson, 90 minutes tonight. I'm glad I know that fact now so I can go adjust the DVR. We will tell you about Marshall's basketball ticket plan when we continue today's edition of The Drive, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, this is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Coming up tonight, we have got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, no, Thursday night football. I get my days mixed up sometimes. Every day seems like it's the same day. Colts-Titans coming up tonight, 8 o'clock right here, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. A kickoff is going to be about 8.20. So what you do is tonight you watch the special on WSAZ, watch Keith's special. It'll wrap up at 8.30. And then at 8.30, what you want to do is uh, you can flip over to radio and you won't miss much of the action. I mean, we're talking, what, first 10 minutes of uh, of the game. Really, that's, what, a couple of minutes 
It's a couple of minutes maybe of the um, of, of the game, so you're not going to miss much there. And we got that coming up for you tonight right here again on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So I was telling you about the Marshall men's basketball ticket plan. Uh, what's going to happen is 15% of normal capacity for the arena. Uh, the approximate number is 1,300 fans. 15 scheduled home games. Scheduled home games. So what they're going to do is go game by game with a lottery. You're going to have a shot at this if you are a 2019 season ticket holder and 2020 Big Green members. 2019 season ticket holders and 2020 Big Green members. All 2019 season ticket holders have the opportunity to opt in to the ticket lottery for a chance to win or to receive tickets to a game. You don't get to pick. You're just going to have to opt in. And then you're going to get the phone call, I'm sure. You've got until November 18th, 4 p.m. to do this. Go to HerdZone.com. I'm sure some of you have already got your phone call, your email, as you haven't keep an eye out for the email. Of course, you can log into your account, and you're going to follow the instructions, and you're going to have an opportunity to be selected for a game. Now, you don't know how many games you're going to get because, well, it's a lottery. That's the thing. It's a lottery. You don't know how many games you're going to get. There's going to be social distancing. There's going to be COVID-19 restrictions. Basically, no groups larger than four seated together. Three seats will be left empty between groups. Two rows in front and two rows behind you left empty. Lots of social distancing measures in the concourses. Tickets are going to be digital. That's going to be how you get your tickets. Digital. No re-entry. That makes sense. Hand sanitizer stations across the arena. Uh, restrooms are going to be clean and sanitized throughout the game. You have to wear over-the-ear masks, properly worn for all in attendance, must remain on leaving the arena. You can take it off. Until then, must remain on. Um, session operations in the food and drink policy, not set at this time. So, Right now, no idea if there's going to be food and drink, and they'll have more protocols coming up. So right now, this is the tentative plan. Again, I don't know if we're going to have a non-conference season. To be quite honest with you, I don't know. It's so fluid right now. But at the same time, here it is. Here is what it's going to look like. Go to your account, follow all of the information there, and guess what? Yeah, you'll be in the lottery. You can give the ticket office a phone call as well. Give them a, a call if you got any questions. And, of course, you can go to HerdZone.com to check everything out. When we continue, we're going to talk a little bit about the Marshall women's basketball schedule. The non-conference portion is out. We'll look at that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. I'm going to try to get Tony Kemper on the show tomorrow because the uh, women's non-conference schedule, that's out. I think, hey, 
Coach Kemper on now more than anybody else during the pandemic. For a while there, it was going with um, Coach Agnes over at Marshall Volleyball. But I think we've gotten to the point now where it's it's Tony Kemper any and all hours of the day. So the schedule's out, by the way. Women's basketball announcing their non-conference schedule. They're playing Morgan State, Radford, one of my favorite schools, Radford, Kentucky, St. Bonaventure, Moorhead State, Louisiana Tech, of course, Charlotte, Western Kentucky, Florida International, Florida Atlantic, Old Dominion, Middle Tennessee, Rice, North Texas. All of that is uh, up on Herd Zone right now. So you can see the uh, full schedule there. Interesting. December 1st is going to be Morgan State. That's going to be at the Henderson Center. No time yet announced there. And then Radford on December 6th. And then at University of Kentucky on December 9th. At St. Bonaventure, December 13th. Moorhead State in Huntington on December 17th. And then January 1st, you get your Conference USA schedule. You've got Louisiana Tech. Charlotte, it's, it's almost the reverse. Western Kentucky dates will be a little bit different. And then FIU, FAU, Old Dominion, Middle Tennessee, Rice, North Texas, your, that's your conference schedule. Again, it's up on HerdZone.com. It's a light schedule. When you look at it, it's really light. I mean, Morgan State, Radford, Kentucky, St. Bonaventure, Moorhead State, it's five non-conference games right there. I think they're taking a, a different approach here. Get a few non-conference in then get to the conference schedule. And, of course, if you get an opportunity to play Kentucky, you take that opportunity, obviously. Plus, you have uh, you have some reasons there. Give uh, some of your student-athletes an opportunity that are from Kentucky to play at Rupp Arena. And you still have a couple of home games with Morgan State and Radford. So you're really not traveling much. Other than conference, you're traveling twice. You're traveling, and, of course, it's Lexington, Kentucky, which is it's a comfortable bus ride, maybe. And then you're playing St. Bonaventure and you're going to New York. Other than that, you're traveling in conference and that's it. And Charlotte's your travel destination. Western Kentucky, FAU, so going to Florida, that's probably your longest trip. Well, that or Murfreesboro, you know, as far as which is going to be easier and harder to get to. So you're going to Murfreesboro and then you're going to Denton. Okay, you're going to Denton. We'll talk to Tony Kemper. We'll try to get him on this week or next to talk about the schedule. And, of course, you can go to Herd Zone and check that out. Also, uh, more signees coming out today for Marshall Women's Soccer. We'll eventually get the head coach of the Marshall Women's Soccer team, Michael Swan, on to tell us more about what he's trying to do. He basically indicated that he's got a smaller class and he's planning on adding more student-athletes to it. Got some good players coming in, including Ava Hall from um, from Scott Depot out of Winfield High School. So picking up a local girl there, that's what you got to do. You pick up some talent outside all places, and you bring some local talent in, and you start bringing as much talent as you can in, and at the same time, make sure that the uh, the talent you can identify from in state gets an opportunity or at least a, a look and a scholarship offer and hopefully uh, you see more in-state products uh, across the state get opportunities at Marshall West Virginia and some of the other soccer schools that's going to do it we're out of time want to thank from WSAZ Rob Johnson for coming on appreciate him 
back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930.